0: Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Cheers.
1: Cheers. Has a major melon treating you?
0: It is so delicious. Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor, but would love it.
1: We do follow them on Instagram, though.
0: So true. We follow two people on Instagram. Mm-hmm. A couple weeks ago, I was like, "Should we think about who we follow on Instagram a little bit more? Should we maybe expand it to our like actual interests? and mm-hmm. when we log into Instagram, we get some good content." Yeah. We decided to follow Mountain Dew.
1: We should follow more a Song of Ice and Fire accounts.
0: Or we should follow more soda accounts. More soda accounts.
1: <laughs> so. No, I think it's safe to say we should follow more Song of Ice and Fire accounts. For sure. I don't know if they have much of a presence on Instagram, though. Would it be mostly illustrations, fan art of stuff that happened in the books?
0: Maybe. I honestly, that's not really a genre that I go down. I mean, we don't post a lot on our Instagram pages. Mm-hmm. But if anybody has any song by Sapphire Instagram accounts that they really like, send Please them our way. way.
1: You just posted something on our Instagram. Speaking of,
0: I did for International Women's Day. For
1: Women's International Women's Day,
0: I did post something. We didn't on post Instagram.
1: anything for International Pizza Day, and it's, there's been like six up. of those this year. We haven't posted any. Yeah, for that's
0: pretty any messed up. <laughs> yeah, pretty messed up. It's pretty messed up. We do post on our stories a lot, though. Or a decent amount, a couple times a week. It's a good place to call for
1: owns. I like the ability. We have have, uh, one to read uh, later on in this episode for this, our final Tyrion chapter of A Feast of Dragons, that someone was able to just reply. You can just reply right in our story into a little bucket, and it conveniently gets sent to us. It's easier to, to field those owns than it is in any other place. It's easier than Twitter, easier than email.
0: For sure. Not it's as easy to
1: copy and paste it to a doc, but we're working on a stream. How do you think
0: people are going to be able to send in their owns via Clubhouse, our new good favorite question. social media Good app. question.
1: I don't know. Uh, make like a ch- a chat room <laughs> where you just discuss your owns for <laughs> <Yeah>. that chapter.
0: You <laughs> have to like frantically take notes. Right. <laughs> so
1: <we can laughs> That'd be a good thing for in the season or maybe around the time that Wins comes out because with, with, with this, it's just a one-sided conversation. We do get to pull in your owns, but it's not in real time.
0: Right, right. You've been having some fun on Clubhouse. Stuff
1: that we're we're concerned about. We've been uh, trying to think of the most fun way to finish these episodes. We have some cool surprises coming up for these final chapters of A Feast of Dragons. But today is Tyrion's final chapter. Mm -hmm. And like I told you yesterday, I've started to feel kind of sad about it. A little bit nostalgic thinking about when we first started the reading order. Yeah. And as far as the contents of the chapter, I feel like... It's not, it doesn't have a lot of action. Right. And so you might think this might Vibes be a, only. a kind of whimper for A Dance with Dragons and thinking about the gap between books. Mm-hmm. Not going to be as much of an issue later on. I guess you could sort of look at it thematically and think of sort of like how the style that George put into it is good or not based on your taste, whether or not you like the style in which it was ended for a specific character, or I guess for the, the whole book for, the, for that matter. But with the weight between the two books, I think it makes it even more impactful, the style in which you decide to end a character. And like I was saying, even though this chapter doesn't have a lot of physical action, for me, that nostalgic feeling was kind of driven in and satisfied a little bit. It was kind of bittersweet because we got, finally, after this arc, this long stretch of Tyrion leaving King's Landing and feeling the way he felt when he was headed across the Narrow Sea. So I feel like today, sort of reaching a return to mm-hmm. form for Chan, mm-hmm. coming back to his sort of
0: classic ways
1: classic ways
0: yeah definitely and
1: feeling not necessarily good about himself but being around people that at some point kind of opened up and took a shine to his sense of humor mm-hmm. kind of like being around braun for a second again
0: it's like he's stepping a little bit out of the darkness and i mean that he's kind of been in for a while
1: even though he's surrounded by the pale mare sure. the bloody flux sure
0: But he has a he has a little bit more of a purpose now. He's got a little the purpose is a little bit brighter to him at this point. And I will say, just as to throw it out there, as always, we'll probably I know we'll talk about Winds of Winter a little bit. So folks who aren't yet caught up on the Winds of Winter or are not interested in the Winds of Winter sample chapters that are out. There's two of them, sort of, that have been released. There's Mm -hmm. one that's been officially released and one that's been read that we have summaries of. For Tyrion and Woods of Winter, which I think that those two chapters play a pretty big role when we talk about this chapter, just because a lot of the cliffhangers and questions that come out of this chapter, we already have answers to, yeah. really, and so it's really is just vibes only. Thinking about classic Tyrion kind of coming into his self again in a way, and
1: in a really cool setting,
0: in a really cool setting. But it's interesting because the moment it's like you're talking, you were talking about the way that characters end their last sample chapter or the last chapter ends in the series and we have this huge long wait and the momentum in this chapter is pretty low. Like the stakes in the chapter are pretty low. Yeah,
1: unless you think that him signing the paper is a really big deal and he just signed his soul over or something. Yeah.
0: Sure. But even that just feels tyranny of himself. He doesn't care. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't even care. He says either we're going to go back home. I'm going to get what I, my, what I heir to, and this will be a drop in the bucket or I'll be dead. So, who right. really, so, you know, the kind of momentum of that is pretty low. And for a character like Tyrion, who is such an important character and seemingly the main character in all of this for this chapter to just kind of be vibes only, which I'm going to say 7,000 times this episode, I already know is an interesting way to kind of, End cap, yeah, his
1: journey so yeah. far. It's a neat choice, I thought. I, I was pretty satisfied with it, and like I said, with the gap, I like it even more. If it, if it was a question of whether or not he was okay, I would be pretty happy with that too, because it would be exciting, major mel satisfying. You're like you're talking now. I'm drink. I'm glugging this
0: soda. a <laughs> uh, big smile. But
1: I, I like the I like the sort of like. Uh, the moment to pause and reflect that's really we only have like you were saying the uh, summary of the first chapter mm-hmm. of Winds of Winter, but that's how that summary feels to me too. He's playing Sybass with Brown Ben and there he's acting on what this chapter ends on, which is his desire to sort of turn the second sons against young Kai
0: mm-hmm. and
1: to join forces rejoin forces with Danny right um which is a a fun to me i mean we haven't read it word by word yet, but I can see his plan, George's plan. I don't know how it looks for the rest of the ones that went through with Tyrion, but it seems to be on a good pace. And for Chapter 2 to turn out like it did in the sample chapter. I won't talk about it right now. We'll do a spoiler warning later. Or at least try to do a spoiler warning We already did a warning spoiler
0: for warning later. for the whole episode. I guess that's episode. true.
1: Yeah. Well, we wanted to start out the podcast. <laughs> We're going to pause on Tyrion for a second. We wanted but, to start out the podcast oh, today right. to talk about <laughs> what our Lord and Savior, GRM, <laughs> has been up to lately. We had a uh, we've, we've got a whole long list of not a blogs for the past couple or in the past couple of months and uh there was one that we wanted to read on the podcast last month but that we forgot to <laughs> that was uh he wrote in january but luckily there's a few other extra ones that we could add on top of that so we just wanted to check back in like i said with our lord and savior and see how he's doing and uh see how that might make us feel about wins and the series and All that stuff as a whole, plus the new stuff that he's working on. Mm -hmm. What do you think about it?
0: He's been posting a lot. I was really behind on things that he was up to on his blog. And so it was good to go back and reread. There's a lot of stuff going on. And there's a lot of – it broke my heart, honestly, because he's dealing with so much loss from COVID. Mm -hmm. His posts about all of his friends and – I think that we relate a lot to George R. R. Martin's story just because we kind of come from this convention fandom world. I think a lot of people listening are in the same boat. And so as he's talking about all these friends that he's lost, this is really like dampening the mood. As he's talking about all these friends that he's lost, that he's spent decades talking about books and movies and comics and things that he's enjoyed with. And they've passed this past year. I thought it was really sad and poignant. It just made me feel for him as he's, you know, we've been talking a lot amongst ourselves and I think a little bit on the podcast about because he mentions in some posts along the way that this was his bet 2020 was his best year for Winds of Winter mm-hmm. from a writing perspective and how this isolation and how this strange time has allowed itself for some people to kind of really buckle down and pour a lot of creativity into their projects and for some people not to just based on everything that's going on and it just kind of made me think about what a burden that creative process has got to be when he's losing these people that have inspired him as a young adult and that he's been friends with for a really long time and so
1: people that would have liked to share this with him
0: yeah it was really poignant to kind of go through that and he just he's an um, amazing writer (laughs) we have a podcast about his books and so him talking about those relationships is really special to kind of read back on and i was felt glad to have shared in that a little bit with him Mm. and then sprinkled in that we got some as i mentioned a little bit of winds of winter updates and then that one blog post that i want to print out and put on my movable feast yeah that i want to print out. put on my wall because i just thought it was so well written and so
1: when i read his his post um the good the bad all of it even if it's not pertaining to the series i just feel really lucky that someone like him is alive and sharing his point of view with us
0: for sure just
1: the way that he puts things sort of devoid of ego and getting right to the point not much with style that's self-satisfying but more so just trying to communicate how he really really feels Mm -hmm. about it and then within that his perspective being so honed and so learned that perspective i feel like is really valuable for me to read so for example whenever we read this blog post that we're going to read in a second back in january I texted to Hannah, and I sort of knew knew without discussing how she would feel about it, because we met in the same place at a convention. We have friends from conventions. This is something we've been into since we were kids, and uh, just being able to relate to someone that we don't know on a level just because of his honesty and his perspective was uh, really special. And uh, I feel bad that he's dealing with with loss. I feel bad for everyone that's dealing with those kinds of things. But within that is a lot of beauty that he's been able to, to tap into in this post talking about sort of how things have changed and mm-hmm. how the past is versus the present. You want you just want to read it? You want to trade? I off? don't
0: have it l- you pull it up. Well I'll pull it up I wanna say did you catch I can send it to you. One if I got I clicking on it I just hadn't pulled it up. Did you catch let me scroll too, sorry. One of these posts recently he mentioned how he met his wife, Paris in a sauna did you know that no i didn't know it was in a sauna wow
1: that's magical
0: i can't remember which one it was i need to find it for you but he's he mentions in all of this kind of thinking back to all the people that he's loved and cared about he mentioned that that's specifically they met in a sauna cool yeah
1: i wonder how long they were able to last the heat they left at the same time (laughs) like we should continue this conversation
0: right it's like you're falling in love in a sauna but you're, str- at what you're point struggling you're struggling. What yeah. point do you get out and move? It's like when we're vibing in the hot tub. Or like we're ha- everyone's like hanging in the hot tub, but it's really hot mm-hmm. and you don't really want to get out, but mm-hmm. it's at a certain know. point you have to. Right. You have no choice. Um okay, this one that we're talking about. Which just, is what this post is about. <laughs> <laughs> this was posted on January eleventh, twenty twenty one, at eight fifteen AM, which is a bold time to be really out here. For me as a non-morning person, I think we should scroll down though a little bit too. So he's talking about A Movable Feast. A Hemingway novel. Yes. And he, oh, he's talking about Movable Feast and also (laughs) Midnight in Paris, that movie. Have you seen Midnight in Paris? Oh yeah, I've seen it. Sorry, I was
1: trying to do a bad voice of, uh, what's his name, Owen Wilson? Yeah. <laughs>
0: he's I just, I can't, I, I,
1: I went over here and I was like, gosh, fuck out, you people.
0: That's not, that's not so
1: it's bad. It's not that good. <laughs> I have the headphones on, trust me, it's not, it's not that good.
0: <laughs> I'm not that the transparency <laughs> of a microphone. Anyway, that's kind of the summary of what he's thinking about and reflecting on, talking about as he gets to. And then I think we should just skip to the last three paragraphs. Okay. At reading it, I wanted
1: to read the whole thing, but I, I guess we can, wait. Okay. Wait, what is the last three? Starting at reading it. Reading, okay. it, I could
0: not help but reflect on my own life. That's okay. the stuff that matters.
1: Yeah, he kind of talks about the film and the the book and how they're similar, and how Hemingway is a character in Midnight in Paris, and he feels like that Woody Allen tapped into that um, that Hemingway novel in Midnight in Paris. Yeah. So you're yeah you're right. Let's just start from there. We could just read the whole thing, but nah, it's a lot. It's a long post. Y'all should go read it. Reading it, I could not help but reflect on my own life. We all have our own movable feasts. For me, I think it was science fiction fandom in the 70s. I was a struggling writer then, just as Hemingway was in the 20s. Writing, writing, going to workshops, collecting rejections, trying to get better, never knowing when the next sale might might come. No, I did not get to hang out with Scott and Zelda, or Hemingway, or Gertrude Stein, or Dali... But I had Howard Waldrop and Jack Dan and Lisa Tuttle. I drank with the Haldemans. I hunted the hallways of world Worldcon with Gardner Zossois, looking for the secret pro party, went skinny dipping in hotel <laughs> pools, and met Paris and Assange. Oh, there that's it is. the
0: one it is. Okay.
1: You just want to stop there and talk about hunting in the hallways for and things? It's just
0: such a vibe. And I don't know. I feel like this hit also hard because we just haven't been to a con in so long. And that's one of our all-time favorite activities, which is just mm. scouring to see what something is <laughs> happening.
1: Yeah, that's, it's part probably part of the reason why he's feeling nostalgic in general as well. Not only because it's more difficult for him to do that now and he's older, uh, but also because he's so famous. It must be harder to you not have something to in. do. You can just blend
0: in. You can just blend in.
1: For sure. But also because we've been separated from each other. So many mm-hmm. people have for so long and we have been able to do these things. i have been able to meet up and have these kinds of group conversations in person. When I got hungry... I went looking for an editor with an expense account who might buy me a meal. Elsewise, I was scrounging in the con suite. (laughs) Giants walked the halls in those days, and I had the good fortune to meet a few of them, if only to tell them what their work had meant to me. I shook the hands of C.L. Moore and Edmund Hamilton and Murray Leinster. I had actual conversations with Isaac Asimov and Robert A. Heinlein and Ray Bradbury and Ted Sturgeon. I got to share meals with Julie Schwartz and Wilson Tucker, with Harlan Ellison and Robert Silverberg.
0: Like Hemingway in Paris, I never had much money. I shared rooms at cons, slept on floors or in a bathtub, got to the cons on a bus or in the back seat of a friend's car, walked to the hotels from the bus station, lugging my suitcase in my hand. No wheels on luggage in those days. Since I, since I did not have the money for the ca- for a cab. Were those the bad parts or the good parts? From 2020, it's not easy to say. They make me smile now as I look back. But if I try, I know... That there were really bad parts, too. Like Hemingway, though, I chose not to dwell on them. The world is a messed up place, then as now, but fandom was a refuge. Warm, welcoming, strange, but in a good way. A community unlike I had ever known, united by a shared love of our peculiar little branch of literature and the people who wrote it.
1: To quote one of Hemingway's contemporaries, however, you can't go home again. By the time Hemingway sat down to write *A Moveable Feast* in those last years of his life, he surely knew that the Paris he had known and loved in the twenties was gone forever, and the fandom that I knew and loved in the seventies is gone as well. This year, the World Con in Washington D.C. is the very same hotel where the nineteen seventy four World Con was held, the World Con where I lost my first Hugo, accepted Lisa Tuttle Campbell Award, Lisa Tuttle's Campbell Award, and prowled the halls till dawn with Gorgie looking for the parties we never found there is a part of me that somehow knows better my head knows those days are gone forever along with so many of the people that i shared them with i wonder how often papa hemingway returned to paris in the 40s and 50s and what he thought of the place when he did can you imagine anyway i quite like midnight in paris and i love immovable feasts maybe you will too <laughs>
0: it's so funny because we okay this is maybe a little self-indulgent to have this conversation but i can't help but read this and think about a, we are not as far removed from our quote unquote con glory oh, no. days as no George way. R. Martin is, and there are many ahead of us. But you know, we'd be hanging out at the Royal Pacific way sure. off, way past the time uh-huh. that any of those good memories <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at a place uh-huh. like that have right. happened. And so I just couldn't help but think about the same thing. So,
1: no, it's yeah. And I, I, like I said before, I really think that the way that he put it is just so poignant and uh, real. And I think that it's important to know the person if you care enough, if you're into the books as much as it seems like you are, if you're listening to this podcast, I think uh, to me it feels like an added bonus. Maybe it's not important, but it just feels like a real treat to be able to get to know who's behind the story that you love so much and uh, to to like that person.
0: It's such a treat and to relate to them yeah, and also to understand that I feel like am just very isolated. And so the opportunity to connect with him in this way, I think is kind of neat. You know, yeah. he's sharing in his own thoughts and reminiscing and mourning and struggles. And while we've all got these characters that we really love kind of floating around the back of our heads, and that's a cool way to connect with him, with each other, all this kind of thing. And so I just think that it's, it, this is a really cool, I appreciate that he communicates with us in this way and yeah. not with a bunch of annoying tweets that he just shoots off at random times. Same, you same. know, it's a cool it's a cool thing. And so I would highly recommend, I'm sure many of you read his blog,
1: but just. If you don't, you should. You should. Yeah. If you, I mean, if you like the books enough to listen to our podcast, then I think that you'd probably get something out of it. Maybe not the same exact thing that I do, but you, you'd find something in there that you like.
0: For more, nice.
1: for more direct satisfaction, shall we read this post from February 2nd called Reflections on a Bad Year that has some uh, Winds of Winter goss in it? You want to read it?
0: Yes. There's really only that. Oh, yeah, there's a couple. Update on Wins in there. Yeah, so.
1: I I love what he says at the end of the first paragraph, though. Read it. He says, growing old sucks. Yes, right now I hear someone saying it beats the alternative, which is what the unimaginative always say. But being a sin. But being an sf writer i can imagine many better alternatives eternal youth robot <laughs> slash android bodies cold sleep upload to the internet come on science guys get cracking death sucks even worse than getting old Lo- <laughs> love to hear someone that's advanced in their years not have really uh content feelings about getting older and, and passing away potentially sooner than everyone else. He's like, get cracking on it. Right, right. Move on with it. As I want the advancements. Upload me to the internet now.
0: <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like up being uploaded to the internet is not something that sounds fun to as me. As long as it's
1: not Twitter, I'm pretty much go good with it. off.
0: After that, he kind of goes into a little bit about Winds of Winter updates. And he says a good thing about 2020. He says, well, for me, there was work. I wrote hundreds and hundreds of pages of the Winds of Winter 2020. The- Woo! The best year I've had on Winds of Winter since I began it. The best year I've had on Winds of Winter since I began it. Why? I don't know. Maybe the isolation or maybe I just got on a roll. Sometimes I do get on a roll. I need to keep rolling, though. I still have hundreds of more pages to write.
1: Not hundreds and hundreds
0: hundreds right
1: and before he said he wrote hundreds and hundreds so he still has
0: hundreds more pages to write to bring the novel to a satisfactory conclusion that's what 2021 is for i hope i will make no predictions of when i finish every time i do everybody takes it as a quote he says every time i do assholes on the internet take it as a promise (laughs) and then wait eagerly to crucify me when i miss the deadline (laughs) all i'll say is that i'm hopeful he That's says, I, he got. goes
1: on to say, I have a zillion other things to do as well, though. My plate is full to overflowing. Every time I wrap up one thing, three more things land on me. Monkeys on my back. I, I, I've sung that song before. So many monkeys.
0: He has a lot of different projects going on right now, but he wrote hundreds and hundreds of pages. And so, yes, you know, whatever. We can talk about during COVID. We can talk in circles. Taylor Swift released two albums in during COVID, but George R. R. Martin, <laughs> George R. R. Martin has yet to release the
1: Winds of Winter. I wish the, that he would not, Tyrion. I wish George would recreate, uh, rewrite some of those old sex scenes with Tyrion and Shay.
0: Yeah, now <laughs> and like, you record could
1: go a little differently.
0: So I'm. I I I'm just saying Taylor Swift be out here giving us both doses of the vaccine. But I, I my opinion on winds of when Winds of Winter will come out mm-hmm. has not changed. But it's exciting that he feels excited about the progress that Yeah, he's for made. sure.
1: And that he's writing it at this strange time.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's going to be
1: interesting. It's going to be interesting how it colors the book. Do you think I'm we'll finish the
0: reading series before he publishes Ones of Winter? The reading series? Of, the uh, Feats Dragons? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah,
0: <laughs> We've got like six chapters left. <laughs> yeah, I
1: think we'll probably finish it. I don't think he's going to be on to this. We talked about it before, but I think eliminating this is out of the
0: picture. I think that that's a bad idea. I mean, I'm not in charge, but I think that that's not the way to go. Nah. One, two, nah. three, four, five, six. Sorry, we have seven chapters left after this one. Roger that.
1: So some of the things that he talked about um, still or working on, Monkeys on his back while he's riding winds, we have down here to talk about. There's one particular that we're really excited about. And others, a little bit less. His short story in The Lost Lands is uh, getting made into a movie with uh, the guy who made or who was mainly, like, the main person behind the Resident Evil movies. You never watched those? No. Based on a video game. I just, you had no reaction. (laughs) (laughs) And Mila Jovovich was the star of those movies, and she's going to be in this. Cool. Cool actress. Um, He's developing a series, which I think means that he's going to be the showrunner for HBO, which is uh, called Roadmarks. It's a Roger Zelzany work, or Zelazny work. And so just him... Creatively helming something on TV again—that's not his. Would be pretty interesting to see. I that's got to
0: be exciting for him too.
1: Yeah, I bet. And the big one is Sand Kings, which you said is going to change my life when I read. When I read it, is being made on Netflix, not by him because he has a non-compete. He works specifically with HBO. Mm-hmm. By the guy that makes that that directed one of your favorite movies of all time. The Caribbean, Gore Verbinski.
0: What more can anybody ask for? Honestly, hmm. what more can anybody if ask it, for?
1: If it was composed by Klaus Badelt, who did the uh, the Pirates soundtrack, yeah, that, probably, that might be enough <laughs> for you to get excited about.
0: I'm so well, first of all, as I said, Sand Kings is I. Re, don't ask me to go into detail about all the specifics about Sand Kings because I can't remember because I don't have a really great memory. What I do remember about reading Sand Kings is the vibe that I felt. Okay. And vibes that's only. Was one of those By Trident stories that <laughs> vibes gum. I've got a few pieces in my purse if you like some. Um, that was a story that just really stuck with me from a vibes perspective. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. So anybody who hasn't yet read Sand King's we will definitely do some stuff on the podcast about it leading up to the Netflix series, I would assume. For sure, yeah. And so I'm excited for you to read it because I think you'll really like it. I, it's can't yeah, I can't wait. creepy. I can't wait. It's so cool. creepy. And so I think you'd be really into it.
1: There's already an adaptation for it that's out mm-hmm. on that uh, Outer Limits Outer Limits series. Leach told me it wasn't very good.
0: Yeah, I saw. I've watched part of it. There's like a, a bunch of YouTube clips on it that I've watched.
1: Okay. It's okay. Sorry for the mouth sounds, everyone. By the way, just sipping on this blue raspberry sparkling ice, can't help it. it tastes <laughs> so good. It tastes like a blue ice. You're not going
0: to edit those out. It's like this is the bonus ASMR that you're going to no,
1: leave it, it gonna in. Gonna some get. people like that. Some people. Some people
0: it. really don't. I would say some that some people recently
1: just keep it balanced though. Try to keep it balanced. Some Appreciate your feedback. Said
0: there was though. a lot of mouth sounds in our podcast.
1: I think there's a lot of sometimes. Sure, I'll cut that out. It was a mouth sound though. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, he's working on new stuff, and that's exciting. I'm excited to see. I kind of wish it was a series because I really enjoy limited series adaptations. Mm -hmm. I really like 112263 by Stephen King on Hulu years back. Um, Me and everyone else in the world loved Queen's Gambit recently Mm -hmm. on Netflix. But uh, a movie's fine too. Sure.
0: It's going to be cool. Well, and it's exciting. I think, as we're saying, this is the last Tyrion chapter in our reading order. We've got seven chapters left. Mm -hmm. We have a ton of interesting stuff well, we think is interesting stuff that we've been talking about for what we want to talk about on the podcast after Mm we finish the official reading order. But with things like Sand Kings and with things like House of the Dragon coming. And Winds of Winter on the horizon. I think we're in a little bit of a strange period, but we've got a lot of great content coming down. And so Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be bittersweet to finish the reading order just because that's been the whole thing for so long. Yeah. But... We've got some new stuff. I feel
1: really lucky to have that solo reread on Patreon mm-hmm. to re- to go through the series again, and just as I reread, it's gonna it take you. it's going to take a while, a long time. Maybe maybe I'll hit a, I'll hit a sprint though, and I'll burn through it way too fast, and I'll be like, "Where's the rest of it?"
0: Sure, but like you think about how long you've been reading the series on this podcast yeah. when going like a couple episode, couple sure. chapters. I mean, no I'm not trying to trying to. Trying to.
1: You can talk crap as much as you want lay it on me
0: i love your solo podcast because it's very interesting and i interrupted what you were saying about it so eloquently so i'll make fun of you after
1: i was just gonna say that i, I love rereading it mm-hmm. and every time i reread it i'm a little bit more experienced in life and a little bit more thoughtful about what i'm looking at and having that outlet is a really useful way for me to enjoy the series a little bit more. And mm-hmm. I hope that people get something out of it if they want to. And I think that it's cool to be able to do it on Patreon instead of the regular podcast feed, because I can just put it out as much it as I want. Takes the
0: pressure off a little too.
1: Yeah, for sure. But uh, even then, just being able to just not to think about the release schedule, mm-hmm. just to, if I want to do three in a week or, or none, like it's not that big of a deal.
0: Totally. Yeah. And it's cool just to come to, at the series with a different perspective. We were talking before we were recording about mm. Winds of Winter, how we already did the sample chapters. I was like, wouldn't it have been cool if we had done the sample chapters after we finished the reading yeah. order and you're like, let's just do it let's again. let well, <laughs> the, uh, the way I it's felt today soon.
1: when I reread the, the Tyrion sample chapter, spoiler alert, here it comes. Holy crap. Knowing that he finally got to see dragons in such a violent atmosphere.
0: I know. Uh,
1: and seeing his plan come to fruition was so satisfying with the turning the second sons against the young Ka'i. And helping uh, turn the uh, tide of the the battle a little bit, and yeah. the anecdotal squall and uh, violence being caused by the uh, the Greyjoys, the, the Iron Fleet just off the the shoreline and on the shoreline. It's just, just chef's kiss.
0: It's been a little while so since good. I read that chapter, and I did not read it in preparation for this podcast, oh, it's so good. I don't remember the details as well as. There's you do. a
1: point in the chapter where <clears throat> one of the young QA commanders comes in and says some guy with a name uh, that starts with a G says that you guys need to come do this, right? And uh, they're like, Brown Ben's not here. We're not listening to you. Uh And he's like, are you not listening to me? And they're like, yep, we're not listening to you. And they laugh as he leaves. He's like, well, I'm going to tell everyone that you're not listening. We're in the middle of a fight, and you guys aren't doing your side of the bargain. And then he comes back, and then he says that another person commands them to do this. And at this point, Brown Ben's there. And they're like, I thought you said that blah, blah, blah commands us. And he's like, uh, no, he's dead now. <laughs> <laughs> he was killed by a tra- uh, uh traitor. Right. So the tide's already turning. So it's like, I don't know. You probably should ask in a nicer way, especially if before they were already not feeling it. And now Ben's there. And uh, it was so, it actually encapsulated some of the vibe that I loved about this chapter. of Just the uh, sort of camaraderie between them yeah. after he signs the paper. Yeah. And a little bit. Uh, was there before he signed because they he's knew.
0: asking for it too he's like where's the brotherhood yeah, exactly Where's
1: the- <laughs> he, he gets it and we get it but um with sort of wordlessly ben says something and then jorah knows what's coming next mm-hmm. now, i love that they refer to him as just jorah too like they really know each other in some way and he does because sure. they spent time with each other before daenerys was gone and they were gone from daenerys and he pulls out his sword and stabs the guy through the back of the neck mm-hmm. that came in and mm-hmm. was like delivering them their uh, their order. It bends like, isn't it crazy how we turned our back on Daenerys to just get in with the young Kai to turn our backs on them the whole time?
0: Right. We're queensmen. Isn't
1: it crazy how this turned out? It's just, I don't know. It's fun.
0: I think that I was just saying at the beginning of the time, like this whole, I feel like the whole point of this chapter is to say what's going to happen. Cause at the very end of the chapter, I love. Tyrion's like, oh, the second sons are on the losing side. They need their, they need to turn their cloaks again and do it now. He grinned. Leave that to me. Mm -hmm. Kind of as that cliffhanger. But as you mentioned, we have those that chapter, that second Winds of Winter, second Tyrion chapter from Winds of Winter, where the energy is high and the stakes are high and so much is happening. I feel like so much of this chapter is just kind of setting that up. And so we already have that. I mean, the whole point of this chapter, like I said, set that up, whether Tyrion's gonna or or the Robin Plan is going to be able to get them back over to Daenerys. Is that going to be able to happen? There's still a lot of, a lot of chaos in the battle. I think a little bit of the vibe is also just understanding the inner workings of the swords, Kind yeah. of like what that's like. What the armor is like. Kind of how prepared or not prepared mm. they are. Da 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 da. And so the real excitement comes in that chapter as you're mentioning and talking through. Mm. Between Jorah and the dragons flying overhead and all the wildness is actually happening at this point, and so this chapter is just setting that up, but we've already read that, which I know we've done before in the reading order, but to me, this chapter in particular just kind of felt like, like I was saying, vibes only.
1: Yeah. yeah, it was a ground floor description and introduction and familiarizing with those points you were just describing but i feel like within that there's so many truths about the world that Tyrion is distilling and we're we, we we could have been and we should have been i guess aware of it just depending on what kind of person you are throughout his whole experience of this book and i feel like he's he's uh sort of outright <clears throat> summing up Yes. What he's learned, these truths about the world. Yeah. And he's delivering them to us in very relatable ways because he's sort of at the beginning again. Mm-hmm. Like a fresh start with new friends and new armor, and he's reflecting. But ultimately, it's it's very ground floor. Here's this, here's that. You're signing this. We're talking about lordships in Westeros. We're talking about lands and titles. Jorah's here. It's familiar. But ultimately, there's a, a greater... Truth going on about the world as Mm -hmm. he's talking about his past at Casterly Rock and
0: all of the people that he's met along the way,
1: all the women that he loved, and his family. And when he's talking to Kim about King's Landing and he's making jokes about the past and Singer Mm -hmm. Stew, I I, I don't know. I really liked it. It was good.
0: I like what you said about it kind of a new beginning and kind of a resetting of the pieces, just as a kind of a reminder of here's all the things they're talking about Blackwater. And everything, yeah. you know,
1: he's been more hopeful in the past about how th- he about how things should and could go based on his level of affecting them, how effective he is at changing things in a certain way and uh, making other people think in a certain way, making other people act in a certain way. But I feel like he's sort of come to terms with the scale of the world now a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to do it's, he's He's back to the start. He's doing what he's always done but I feel like his attitude about it it's, it seems like what he's trying to change in penny when he slapped her he's telling her the way it is and that you need to have this right perspective because I've learned it and it's just as hard as it seems or rather it's it's way harder than you think it is but ultimately the actions that you that you do they're going to make the outcome happen even if you're not aware of the truth of the situation. But I feel like, like I said, he's doing the same things now that he would have before. This is basically him playing Syvas with the war and Marine right now, Mm -hmm. starting and being more effective over the next few chapters of his. But he's more aware of how his place in it really is, of the truth of the world, and less self-impressed, less really caught up in how he's satisfied or what he gets, he's just more aware of, all right, this is how it is. I'm this kind of person. I want to play it more effectively. If these people aren't noticing it, fine. He's not really that much different, but he's just more content with Mm -hmm. it. He's just a little bit more content. And the environment's way more dangerous. We we have a a sickness going around that he might get.
0: Right, and that Penny might have. Penny
1: might have, but he's just more dealt with it and there's a lot of great quotes i think back that up in this chapter that i have saved but it's difficult to find right now
0: i will read one that it reminded me of when right before right after he slaps penny he says if you want to dream go back to sleep when you wake up we'll still be escaped slaves in the middle of a siege gives her a bunch of options and he's like whatever you decide to do you'll do it clad in steel so this do or die situation that they're in and I do think, though, that Tyrion's kind of in a little bit more of an empowered situation than he's, than he's been in a, in a while because he's been able to...
1: He was just in chains, so I guess he's definitely in a more, <laughs> more empowered position than He's before. been
0: able to, yeah, finagle his way out of that into this place where he can sign his name away as Tyrion of House Lannister. And I know he's still a little bit in hiding and he's still has a long way to go. And at the end of this chapter... We aren't sure if his plan is going to work necessarily, but but he's
1: just promising them money; he's not actually paying them
0: money. But not even about the money thing. About the even to that point yet. About just if he's going to be able to turn them back to Daenerys' side. All that I feel like the money thing almost doesn't even matter at this point. Right. I mean, I'm sure it may come up at some point along the way, but he signs his name in blood.
1: Do you think the money stuff will come up
0: maybe I don't know if it will be that big of a deal if it does, but so so this is what I was thinking about. I think this is a showism which about Tywin not having money, hmm. the money that he thinks he has, okay, isn't that a showism? I should have looked that up before this, but this is what I was just thinking How do you about. Even look that up though is the question does I feel like Tywin we don't have money really Google.com. <laughs>
1: <laughs> compared to what amount that the the crown might owe the Iron Bank. Possibly no. Possibly less. Possibly more. But I think it's safe to say that compared to people like us in Westeros or people like these in Essos that they have a significant amount of money and or equity in the lands that they own and the the stuff that they own. They, and what they're able to have access to based on their, their power.
0: Right. Their cash might not be liquid. Right. I can't find it. But I thought that he... There was something about that he didn't have.
1: As far as Tyrion's self-talk is in this chapter, he believes that if he goes back home and is successful in reclaiming his position as the head of the Lannister family and becoming Lord of Castle Rock, he's pretty sure that he's going to be able to pay these people, no problem. The whole promising brown bene lordship and lands equivalent to a lord, what a lord should have, is a slightly... I mean, it's a much bigger ask. I think that'd be harder to pull off, but... I don't know. Do you think that he would be able to – or he would rather – do you think he would act on that? Do you think Elanister really pays his debts or it's kind of – or is it going to be like Macoro and Vic? He's going to – say Macoro makes friends with Danny. He's mm-hmm. probably going to be like, nope, nah, no more pirate guy. <laughs> like one of those <laughs> things I promise right. you, my god of the ship.
0: No, I think that Tyrion is just – I think Tyrion is going to play by the rules as much as he can, okay. a little bit more so than somebody else. I got distracted because I found a web, uh article on Forbes.com. Mm. about the Forbes fictional 15 list and that he's number 12 of the richest fictional characters. He's Yikes. clocking in at $2.1 billion. Okay. US dollars. Okay. That is so. Who's awkward. number
1: one? Is it the, uh, from the Hobbit? Cause he gets the Arkenstone at some point and it's like, come on, there ain't nothing like it.
0: The Forbes fictional 15 year This might be a couple years old though. So I don't, I don't, I doubt that.
1: Must be a big article. <laughs> That's one of those like stupid things that I have scrolling. to click
0: through. <laughs> oh, okay. And there's so many ads that are blocking the whole Can thing. Can you name
1: some of the other victors off?
0: I'm barely even at that point because...
1: <laughs> now I got to know.
0: Oh, I got it. I got it. I was looking at those. Okay, whatever. You know who this... Oh, it's an, it's from a... It's a Lord of the Rings thing. Smaug. Yeah.
1: That's funny. He's the owner of the treasure that I was just describing. Okay, got it, got but it. But he loses it in The Hobbit. He's guys. worth
0: $62 billion. He's the Dude, richest. research. Come on. Number two. Smog is dead. Uncle Scrooge from.
1: Scrooge McDuck?
0: Yeah, Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> Listen, number two. Oh, number three boy. is Carlisle Cullen from. Okay.
1: I don't like this list, Number guys. four <laughs> is. How many books are held in the? I these. don't
0: know who Jed Clampett is. He's
1: from the Beverly Hillbillies.
0: Never seen it. Number five, Tony Stark. Number six, Richie Rich.
1: So you're telling me they think that Jed Clampett has more money than Richie Rich? hmm I don't know about that.
0: Number seven, Charles Foster Kane. Okay. Number eight, Bruce Wayne. Number nine, Forrest Gump. Number 10, Mr. Monopoly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Number
0: 11, Lizbeth Slander. Number 12, Tywin Lannister. Okay. Um and now I've run out. There's of There's got to be someone from Harry
1: Potter in there. They're like Lucius Malfoy, definitely
0: Robert Crawley from Downton. Okay, Joe Bennett from Um The Office.
1: Joe, like how many accounts have we That's tagged it. in this? We need those <laughs> RTs.
0: That article was really a waste of time. But anyway, all this is to say... <laughs> so
1: tier, I guess Taiwan's rich. They say, yeah. they say it on According Forbes. According to this Forbes article right? in 2012. They're verified. They in said it
0: on Forbes. Anyway, one thing. This is all back. I don't... I was, wasn't really paying attention to what you had to say, which is I'm really sorry. So I'm trying to summarize what I was trying to say in the beginning, which is if... The money things becomes important if yeah. it's one of those things where Tyrion gets back to King's Landing, realizes mm-hmm. his inheritance or whatever or the Lannisters. There's not, there's nothing, and so he's in a bind. But at that point, if he's back in King's Landing and he's he's gonna, he's gonna have working. some powerful people That's on what his I'm side. He'll be so with some
1: people who have some they be able to take what they so need. So it or doesn't something even like matter. That. Yeah, yeah. That article was written around Clash, uh, right. season two, like Clash era adaptation, and I think as far as they knew that. Tywin looked like he really had it together, you know? Sure. He really had a lot of money. and So they were like, he's definitely number 12. Get him in there.
0: What a weird list.
1: I bet if they knew that Game of Thrones was going to be more popular, they would have put him over Scrooge (laughs) and Duck. For sure. (laughs) For sure.
0: One day Tyrion might rue these signatures, but not this day.
1: Do you think that George knew? No, there's no way he could have known that YOLO would be a thing. But No. How do you think he feels about YOLO being a thing after Tyrion being YOLO and basically encapsulating YOLO?
0: It makes me also think about YOLO County in California.
1: Like that they knew? Or Can you imagine? Being there after YOLO became a thing?
0: Yeah. That's a uh, little bit different, but YOLO does kind of encapsulate. well oh.
1: Tyrion a little bit, especially yeah. in this book. And they call him YOLO. It's just right. one of those synchronicities of the universe. It's very satisfying.
0: You only live once. He's not going to... It doesn't... The repercussions are so far away and life seems so wild between then and now. Mm. And before the point that anything is going to potentially happen with these signatures, he's going to be engaging with dragons, with Daenerys Targaryen on his way back to Westeros. So that's a problem for future Tyrion, not himself.
1: This is his thought on the matter. If he ever went back to Westeros to claim his birthright, he would have all the gold at Casterly Rock to make good on his promises. If not, well, he'd be dead. And his new brothers could wipe their arses with these parchments. Be hard to wipe with Vellum, or would it be nice?
0: Most of the parchments I don't think would be nice. Yeah,
1: no, but some of them get pretty good.
0: That makes me think of the conversation that he's having a little bit later in the chapter with Ken Mm -hmm. as he's thinking back again to King's Landing and if he goes back there and Kem asks him what he misses the most and his internal monologue. His internal monologue has people and places and things in there but his external monologue he basically says Can relate
1: to this <laughs>
0: <laughs> whores wealth and wine yeah. are the three things that it misses the most and this whole idea of, of wealth and so when he goes back there being able to pay off all these peeps with those things that outwardly to him are the most important
1: do you have, have a, the truth also quoted I just think that that difference, the dissociative quality of being so thoughtful and then presenting a, a different face to the world, I felt like is what I could relate to in a sad way. It's he what said, we all probably deal with. He
0: thinks to himself, Jamie, thought, Tyrion, Shay, Taisha, my wife. I miss my wife, the wife I hardly knew. And then outside, he says, whores well wife. <laughs> right. I feel like. <laughs> That's pretty funny. And I know a lot of us probably live our lives in a similar fashion. But are you worried
1: about Tyrion getting sick? Or do you think that that's something that I'm not worried about him getting sick, character? but
0: Penny, he's concerned about Penny.
1: Are you concerned about Penny?
0: Am I supposed to be? You know, I think I think like Penny being sick. The biggest repercussion is that Penny gets a lot of people that are close In the second son's sick.
1: He doesn't say anything for way too long. Yeah, until people have been
0: exposed. It hurts people. Yeah, that's I think potentially the biggest thing. But I feel like the pale Mare is rushing Mm -hmm. through all these camps anyway, and we're so close to the battle that it almost doesn't even matter. Yeah, we don't see anything about that after the battle, though. Yeah, potentially.
1: I don't remember anything in the sample, no, about that, Mm -hmm. and so seems like not much of a concern. They're, They're flailing corpses and. The dragons are eating them, and I'm guessing that that dragon blood protects them from that. And so if Tyrion is a secret Targaryen, that probably has something to do with him not getting it either.
0: Potentially, or he yeah. just, as we've learned about infections over the last year and things like that, how just if his <laughs> disease, <diet's really> good. <laughs> disease jumps from one person to the other. But Penny is such an interesting character because I, you were kind of alluding to this earlier, This the way that Tyrion's interfacing with What's going on? The way that Tyrion's kind of come to terms with the position that he's at, he kind of vocalizes that back to Penny as she's in this very distraught state about all the things that she's lost and doesn't have. And she's potentially sick and she's her weird, sweet way of trying to interface with the world. And he's already come to terms with so many of these things. And so we kind of get that in these very succinct tied together snippets that he throws back at her a couple of times throughout the chapter in the beginning when he goes to grab her for the first time, when their papers are signed, it's time to get suited up. And then throughout all of these conversations as she's dragging her feet and she doesn't want to hold the sword and the helm's annoying and she doesn't want to cover her face until she realizes that Tyrion thinks she has a cute nose God, or that something. that
1: moment, he was like, he pinched her nose. What's wrong with the half helm? It's open face. Tyrion pinched her nose. I'm fond of looking at your nose. I would rather that you kept it. Her eyes got big. You like my nose? Tyrion, oh, seven, save me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then later she's like, what else do you like about me? I like
1: every part of you. Okay, that's not the point. Let's move on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I think that... He's like, we're gonna die! Right, exactly. But so whether or not she has this sickness or da-da-da-da-da... I don't think it necessarily matters just because the stakes are so much higher okay. to me It just seems that.
1: weird that it's part of the story then. that it, it seems weird that it's hurting so many people and it's so important. And we're scared of it getting in the water if it's not going to affect our characters well, in this think situation. It, I'm not, not saying gonna, it no won't. No Jorah, no Penny, no Tyrion.
0: It won't affect anybody. But it just
1: got them out of a mess. Yeah. Seems weird. Seems weird.
0: Seems a big enough thing though for that to have gotten them to where they are now.
1: For sure. I'm just wondering... Is it bad writing if it's not actually a threat to the main characters?
0: There's so many things in A Song of Ice and Fire that aren't actually real threats to the main characters, which is pretty much everything. Like you look at somebody like Tyrion, what's actually a threat to him? What's actually a threat to Daenerys or to Jon? Except for, oh, that's not true. He gets killed. But even then, you know?
1: Not fire, it seems. Or heat. Maybe not heat. We'll see. But yeah, he gets killed. And so if he comes back, it's like, yeah, what is the threat? What is the threat for John? Hmm. So you don't think that's going to play into it? Oh, seven, save me.
0: Maybe not particularly for. I you like my nose. I I think that Penny might just be spreading it more, okay. and that Tyrion's not going to say anything. That makes sense. That'd he doesn't. He doesn't want her. He has this fondness for her that he can't quite vocalize, and so I think that he wants to try to protect her, even if it means letting this spread a little bit.
1: Well, let's say Danny comes back and they're uh, finishing things up in Marine, and they're inside the Great Pyramid and he wants to have her close by. She, su- she survives this and he's a part of it, a part of whatever future that they're planning and it might be a sort of shaking off, a, a, a kind of sad and scaled to all the lessons he's trying to teach her in this, ironically, uh, response to the situation that he'll have to get rid of her. Not only because she's dead weight in some way, but because she's got a sickness that potentially right. could infect everything that they're doing. So they might have to leave her. That he SS. can't
0: protect her from
1: right, and that would be another thing. It's like, oh, cruel world! I got what I wanted. I'm here. We're safe. Everything's fine. Victorian's kind of weirding everyone out, but for now, we're we're good. <laughs> and you're making me you're making me get rid of uh, someone that I care about right. that is innocent.
0: And that depends on me. That
1: depends on me. That is innocent. That it doesn't deserve to be abandoned in a place like this. And that won't do well. Yeah. That won't. That would be really sad. And a, a sort of another gut wrenching tear at, at Tyrion, which I don't think is going to stop happening.
0: Oh, of course throughout not. The series. Of course, yeah.
1: course not. Yeah, I think this is one of his, probably one of his biggest breaks. This chapter and maybe the next. I haven't read it. Like I said, we only have the, uh, the description of it. But this is. Probably one of the only rest periods he's gonna have, maybe the stretch when he's communicating with Danny if that happens, they'll probably have some uh some comfort and uh maybe those conversations about past characters that I know is just gonna be full of a lot of really cool names people will love to quote um will be a good break, and maybe there'll be some pain within that because he'll be thinking about her past and what kind of a leader she might be based on the kind of people that are in her lineage. And so maybe the pain is going to come from him knowing that he's sort of putting his cart behind a horse that's ultimately going to end in violence in mm-hmm. some way. But yeah, I think that right now when he's with people that are making jokes about crude stuff. and So much of that. You know what I mean? And he's giving away his dad's money. Yeah. Like this is probably his peak moment right now.
0: It's just a, funny a that you can describe that as a rest period when he's literally about to be... Descended upon by dragons. And that's
1: the thing that I think is uh, key about this chapter being the end of uh, A Dance with Dragons and the end of Tyrion's arc in this particular section of the story is things are getting progressively more haywire for him. He's been Hand of the King before. He's been the second most powerful person in the kingdom. And yet... He's more content now than I think then just because of his point of view. I think that's really the big difference. Like I said, he's doing the same stuff before, but he can be in the middle of all this tumult and be okay with it. At least be content with it because he's more at peace with the truth of the world Mm -hmm. and the reality of a situation
0: around him. And he has a purpose.
1: Yeah, I guess his purpose is to just play chess, play Sybass and see how well it goes, which I think is great. And we get this uh, cool sense of his ability in later chapters and wins with him to uh, assess what's happening in the battlefield Mm -hmm. in this youngish battle of fire. And I think it's a lot like this latrine comment, which will probably end up paying off later as far as his strategization qualities are concerned. he's, He's watching the battle unfold in real time, and he's basically commanding the army in his head better than anyone's commanding the army now with all of those stakes. And it's kind of interesting to be in this position and to know that Tyrion within three seconds, is at the top of this. He got freed. He's being protected. He has uh, new friends that are cracking jokes with him. All moments after he has special treasures Mm -hmm. and being in his tent and having this guy dying and diarrhea and down his leg. He's able to just scale to the top of these things really easily. And I don't know if that has really sunk into him. I don't think it's really that important to him. And it shouldn't be. He should just live his life as he is, but... It's saying something about his ability that we're hopefully going to be able to see be used in a real way later like it was at Blackwater with hopefully with Danny and cooler towns and people that we really don't like that it'll be interesting to see them get killed I guess or at least we'll care less because there'll be more fodder for his ideas just to see him be able to pilot this battle better than anyone else is. to know that someone like Barry Selmy would benefit from Tyrion's point of view I really like and for it to be so humble and now in the middle of so much haywire stuff but for him to be content with it is just it's a it's like i said it's like a new kind of Tyrion, mm-hmm. but it's the same one but i think it's one that i like a lot better because he's just so much less pained he was yeah. so pained you know, know when he was hooking up with shay and king's landing they're sneaking around it seemed like he was getting a lot of stuff that he wanted but god he was just so tortured about everything
0: he just has so much more perspective at this point than yeah. he did before and i think that i there's still so much darkness we see in this chapter, I mean, the one of the guys asked him how many people he's killed with a bow. And he says nine because he's he's like, my dad's got to count for nine yeah, yeah. in the back of his head. Things like that. But he just has a world of perspective with him now. And I think he's just a little bit more polished and mature. And he just has been through hell in the last, in all of, I almost called this book the Winds of Winter, and all of dance. He's just really Hit rock bottom. And so I think that any like glimmer of him making moves and making long term plans (laughs) and making in a position where he feels like he can do the things that he wants to do, it's been a really, really long time since he's been able to feel like he's manipulating the situation and actually seeing something come to fruition from it. And what I'm excited to learn a little bit more about is. So in the next Tyrion chapter in Winds of Winter, we know that he's having a conversation with Brown Brown Ben Plum, say that 10 times fast, about, he mentions it to him about switching over to Daenerys' side. And then in the next Tyrion 2 in Winds of Winter, as you mentioned before, Brown Ben Plum, it's like, we've always been queensmen. I'm curious to know how much Tyrion influences that situation or if he just feels like he's influencing that situation and if it's just his because throughout this whole chapter he's basically saying to himself you think you're screwing me over but i'm 15 steps ahead of you i'm smart i get it you think you've like bent me over but that's not the case and so i'm curious how much that's true and he or he just so happened to pick the right thing because brown ben plum's already been on this path for a while and Whether Tyrion was here or influenced him or not, it's not really going to change what happens with the second sons. That's
1: more about how effective the young Yunkai are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if we'll necessarily get answers to that in the Winds of Winter chapter when we read the full chapter instead of just getting glimmers of the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that would be a very cool display of Tyrion's finesse. Yeah. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. True. It's got to be. That's got to be part of it because the next the next chapter after, that's a battle, you know? I know, so but it's I gotta don't— has got to be some kind of skill, right? I don't
0: know if Tyrion influenced that at all or if those decisions were already made. And before. he's
1: getting played by the world or even played by Ben. Or he's just
0: swept up in it, not even yeah. being played in a bad way, but he's just already swept up in something that's already right. happening. I think
1: I meant he's being sort of— just self impressed, which is yeah, a, yeah, it's yeah. a glimmer of yeah. old Tyrion kind of. That's in what I'm trying to say. Where he's like, Ooh, look what I'm doing. But actually, the world's like, Ha ha ha, this is going to happen exactly way without you.
0: Yeah. So we might not get additional details on that, but yeah, that could play a role in kind of Tyrion, or that could give us some insight into how Tyrion makes decisions when he gets to Daenerys and if he, what kind of influence he may or may not have yeah. over situations.
1: Yeah, I'm really interested to read that because it could be sort of a the the scale of the game and the world is too big for you. You're such a small piece, ha ha ha, look at you try. Or it could be the beginning of Tyrion's sort of a growth into being super effective, super in-game, mm-hmm. probably coming to a really cool point with Danny at the end of Wins where he's really done even better and they've gotten something really great from
0: it like Illyrio levels of manipulation Exactly, of the story yeah
1: which would be it, it sort of makes sense I mean it definitely makes sense because mm-hmm. of how much inclusion he's had with the Illyrios of the game right Littlefinger Varys. Varys Illyrio and now here it just would be a sort of fitting to see him take that crown mm-hmm. to see him take that position totally that would be really cool totally
0: and it's cool to kind of get that reset of here's all, here's my pedigree, my pedigree chart of the things that I've done and that I've seen and that I've lived through, all the way back to the sewers. Right. Let me here, remind you this. At his last chapter yeah. in A
1: Dance of Dragons before it moves on to that next thing. Yeah. 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 yeah that's the thing when you, you know when you read these books for plot, I think that. It's just it's so it I, I feel bad for people. I feel bad for myself, feel bad for everyone that have read these books and have felt like around Marine it gets a little not necessarily repetitive, but just it's all almost the same color. It's like this deserty color.
0: Yellow it's kinda of smoky. And browns, and we're not having yeah.
1: the, really a good time. Everyone's kinda of sad and there's these names that we don't really recognize. It's not the same nomenclature that we're used to from Westeros. So and it's not that sort of traditional feudal medieval style that we with the the banners and the pinions, all the things that we love about knights and maidens and swords and sorcery. It's the different genre of it. It's just kind of like, ugh, kind of gross almost. It's not gross, but it feels like you just want it to be over, kind mm-hmm. of. You're like Dorne's enough. We have we have those rearing horses on the sunrise against the sunrise, sunset, and Dorne. That's enough of that. But you get to the end of the last book, and it's all that, and that person that you love, Danny, is mixed up in all of it, and yes, she's still here. And if she were at the Vale, and, and she really liked being at the Vale, we'd probably be like, you know, it's so great. I love this place. It's such a cool vibe, but they're like, oh, she's still a Marine, still a Marine. Tyrion's still a Marine, and Vic's headed to Marine, and how many Barristan chapters do we have? And he's just planning in Marine, and then we, Slow have, bells. then we have Quentin, too, and it's like, okay, right. I get it, you're in an underseller, but This is – I really like it. I really like it. And for this – for Tyrion to make it here, like I said, it seemed like he was going off course. But I think this is exactly where he needed to be. Mm -hmm. Exactly where he needed to be. And uh, I love the extra time that we got with it. I'm glad that he – that George decided to spend this much time fleshing it out in this area of the story. What's so funny?
0: It's easy to say that at the end. Because we're not deep. We're like at the end of the mirror and he's not a little bit. And so that's why I am laughing a little. Only because it feels like we're coming to the other side finally. Yeah. But you probably felt that way throughout the whole time. Because I think you are more of a fan of this kind of patient, slow trod through. And you want to soak up every vibe and moment. And so.
1: If it's good, I'm a fan of it. Yeah, you
0: may have been feeling this way the whole time.
1: If it's good. But when I remembered it from my first pass through, it didn't feel that good. Not that it didn't feel good, but it didn't feel this good. It felt good. It felt okay.
0: It's been a slog, but we've finally have we've we're just coming off a really great momentum, and we're barreling towards a lot of really awesome, exciting things that we're at the we're talking about dragons and marine flying around as part of the battle yeah. at this point. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. We're not talking about the amount of bodies that are laying out in the sand, or what all the contraptions are, or pacing around in any of the different tents or inside the city. I mean, we're moving a little bit and all the players are actually finally mostly mm-hmm. here and we're at the climax of their stories. And so, yeah, it definitely makes it a little bit more.
1: I think, exciting. We, I think we could go through a lot of these quotes and uh, reflections, but I don't know if we really have to, because this, these, like I said, these have been themes that Tyrion has been not necessarily struggling with, but coming face to face with mm-hmm. throughout this entire book and like i said at the beginning of the episode i feel like they've come up in very natural ways in this chapter and he's come to very thoughtful and uh with with lack of arguing with himself and feeling sorry for himself conclusions about them and uh i think that he's not done growing yet when he slaps p- when he slaps penny because yeah. she can't handle it i think that he knows that's probably the last time hopefully he does something like that but i think that he knows that it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I think that he shifts a little bit later in the conversation and says that when he's like, "Okay, you know, I'm gonna stop telling you how I see things." Yes, at the end of this, if we make it, I will make sure someone really. He still has sarcasm in there a little. He's still bitter about it, but he's ultimately lets her. He, he concedes to letting her figure it out, it out on her own pace rather than forcing her to think exactly like he has that he thinks about it, which I think is. One of the novel growths of him mm-hmm. in this chapter. Sure. one of the less recollection and coming cementing himself for who he is. But also one of the moments where he does move forward a little bit, and I'm curious to see how he will use that on Danny, or mm-hmm. how much of her perspective he'll be patient with. Right, and honestly, how much of it he'll be gaming her with
0: based on that, and how much she'll be patient with him.
1: I think that she's really good at that already. She grew up with Viserys, you know. I think that she's that's something that she's pretty good at. I think that his level of manipulation of the environment might be something she's not as good at, which is one of the reasons why I think they would be a really good team together. Mm-hmm. But who would have thought that at the very beginning? Well, did you see them coming together in any way whenever you were first reading the series or even halfway through? Did the Danny tyrion conclusion of being an effective duo or however big the team ends up being, like did you see that being a thing?
0: Well, I'm almost still holding pause for kind of what that's going to look it might like not happen. I, th- I mean obviously i think it's going to happen but i'm very curious about their initial dynamic and kind of how they get over these initial humps to then eventually get to the point where she'll put up with the kind of person that he is and the kind of thing <laughs> you know what i mean i don't know if she's going to be that patient from the outset especially with all the things that she's got going on and dealing with and the, sure, all the she, people she doesn't need him she doesn't need him yeah. and so We've seen from the show, obviously, and things are moving in that direction that that's the thing. But I just think it's going to be pretty complex and complicated. And so I haven't yet settled into the, oh, this is going to be the thing yet. Right,
1: right, 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 Hmm. Man, they're going to have to all earn it, though. They're going to earn it in that battle of fire. I can't wait to see that conclusion. I
0: cannot wait for our slow trod through. All of those conversations that we get, you know, we read Winds of Winter the first time through quickly. We get it out. We talk Mm -hmm. about it, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. And then we start the reading order there and we get the slow pace between all of those dealings. And that's a very exciting thing to me.
1: I can't wait for the slow trod to the next thing because they're going to, it's going to be like, all right, we're together. And then whatever they're building toward now, we're going to be like, oh, that's the worst. Whenever They were traveling west. Right. And why do they have to stop at that town and destroy Volantis? Right. Why do they have to stop? Why can't there? we just
0: like get to the conclusion? I don't think anything will be as much of a slog as the Miranese Knot. Yeah, was probably not. I think for George to write and for us to read
1: in a pyramid. It's yeah. a, pyramids are really cool. For
0: sure,
1: pyramids are really cool. But at the same time, it just it nothing beats a castle with the flag waving of people that you like on top of it, or people that you want to take down and replace with your flag. Let's it's get back to, to
0: the classic fantasy elements of. <laughs>
1: We don't want to eat but crickets Westbrook's. or dog. Yeah. No crickets, no dog. No. So everyone's racist, basically, in their taste, because that's really what it comes down to. Sure. That's it's, probably what he's trying to do. But that's the thing, though. I feel, whenever you get past that, and I'm trying to get past my own prejudices within my enjoyment of these forms— you can appreciate it for what it is. They are in a desert, but it's there's different. That's there's different environments mm-hmm. on 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 the faces of planets. I don't think that it's bad to like something that you like, but I think it mostly has to do with us being so exposed to it over a long amount of time, sure. and that's probably. I mean, it is pretty cool. The I just like the color of Castle Stone versus the color of pyramids. Well, and
0: what I think that George R. Martin is trying to do when he writes a place like Marine is that he's trying to write it. So that we, as the reader, can understand from a character's perspective that this is a foreign and strange land, and it's different, right. and it's unlike anything our people have really dealt with for long periods of time. And so, we're—I think—we're supposed to feel a little bit out of place and a little bit uncomfortable with the environment just because it—it it, we're su- it's supposed to be foreign.
1: But at the same time, they're dealing with all the same stuff, mm-hmm. and they're all playing the same game of right, ones. right. Hmm. So really makes you think
0: it really makes you think this chapter was good this chapter vibes only not a lot of great quotes a lot of really great quotes and a lot of really great internal Tyrion monologue and a lot of interesting things about what the second sons are like they've got a lot of bad armor they don't have a lot of great uh, steel steel yeah but they have a cool book. And they, some yeah. of them, sign their name in blood.
1: Some of them do. I love when Jorah walks in, and, he, and it's just such a great intro for his character after being such a, a sullen person, and the way he was being beaten constantly with the young Kai. And uh, he's like, "If you look, if you spend some time looking in there, and there's a, you'll find some good steel. You know, there's some good stuff in there." And he's mismatched. Let me read it. Let's just find it. A big knight stepped down from the back of the wagon, clad, to head, clad head to heel in company steel. His left grieve did not match his right. His gorget was spotted with rust. His vambraces were rich and ornate, inlaid with yellow flowers. On his right hand was a gauntlet of lobstered steel. On his left, a fingerless mitt of rusted mail. The nipples on his muscled breastplate had a pair of iron rings through them. His great home sported a ram's horn, one of which was broken. When he took it off, he revealed the battered face of Jorah Mormont. He looks every inch cell sword, and not at all that broken thing we took from Yezin's cage. Tyrion reflected his bruises had mostly faded by now and the swelling in his face had largely subsided, so Mormont looked almost human again, though only vaguely like himself. The demon's mask the slavers had burned into his right cheek to mark him for a dangerous and disobedient slave would never leave him. Sir Jorah had never been what one might call a comely man. The brain had transformed his face into something frightening. So within that familiarity and that that sort of a warm, homey-feeling environment of Jorah, swaggering in and being like there's good steel in there it's kind of like we're sharing food almost it's just like a warm comfortable feeling that comes in that we get that reminder of his what he's been dealing with and what he looks like now to everyone and the sort of threat that he's going to pose moving on in the future and there's so many moments like that in this chapter Mm -hmm. yeah
0: Tyrion's like he wasn't he's always been a little comely but now he especially looks frightening yeah as long as I look prettier than you I'll be happy he's not
1: comely they don't he doesn't think he's good? No,
0: right? Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Um, but as long as I look prettier than you, I'll right? Be happy. You're just
1: admitting that you like the way Jora looks. That's fine. And I think you probably like him better with this tattoo on his face.
0: <laughs> he looks a little bit more dangerous. All the so ladies much. are like Jora, huh? Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't really. You don't. You don't like Jora? I mean. Neither here nor there on kind of his, but like I said, I right. don't know what he looks like with that tattoo thing on his face, sure. so could that, be cool. that could change things a little yeah. bit, but
1: it's Are there exciting. Are parts of me you like?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <sighs> Pretending to be dead that is a good way own. to survive a battle, or one way to survive a battle. Good armor is another. Though there's precious little that I fear. And I love Kim. The conversation with Kim and how Tyrion broke that. Uh, sort of wall down between them and they were asking nostalgic questions about king's landing
0: it's like again that touch point to home a yeah. little bit
1: yeah and the singer's stew and uh the bowl of brown the, the soup that the spoon that you could stand up in it like i said we could go through this chapter and name all the the heartwarming moments out of this before it transitions into all hell breaking loose but you should go reread this I'm about to read you like nine owns anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I
0: I, let's it. <laughs> save it for whatever that is because I'm sure you'll cover there. a bunch of them. I don't
1: know if I should read all of them, but I just thought so many things in this were good. And I didn't hold myself back. Do you want to move on to owns?
0: Sure. You've already mentioned my own just a, a moment ago. And, and I took yours too? Yeah, you did. <laughs> my bad. That's What's going to happen when you get nine of them? But I, just, I thought the whole exchange between Tyrion and Penny when he's trying to get her to put on the armor trying to get the it makes me think a lot about when I first started playing D&D it's like Hannah you need to like get these armors and these swords like well I want the cute one kind of my first <laughs> time anyway and she doesn't want to do it and so he squeezed I'm scrolling to try to get to get to it so I can actually read it out loud, but my stalling is not really doing me any good. But he does that. He grabs her nose a little bit and he says, she's like, what's wrong with the half helm? It's open face. Tyrion pinched her nose. I'm fond of looking at your nose. I'd rather you keep it. Her eyes got big. Oh, you like my nose? Seven saved me. Tyrion turned away and began rooting amongst the piles of old armor toward the back of the wagon. Are there any other parts of me that you like? Penny asked. Perhaps she meant to sound playful. It sounded sad instead. I'm fond of all your parts, Tyrion said, in hopes of any further discussion of the subject, and even fonder of my own. Own to all of this, mostly because A, I think it's sweet, because Penny is just Penny, and B, I think Tyrion and Penny's relationship, he just has this soft spot. Like He lets her get away with these kinds of things towards him, even if he's changing the subject and whatever. I feel like he has this affection towards her and this desire to care for her and keep her protected and things like that which seems a little bit out of his nature sometimes especially at this point in his character arc and so i like that penny is just this very fem traditionally feminine sweet thing that is just kind of a thorn in his side that he likes
1: so but not hard. enough. But not enough. Enough to feel sorry for. Well, him he doesn't. Because he doesn't like
0: her enough. He doesn't like like her, but he right. has some sort of like soft spot for her. Right. So that's my own. Give me your 75. <laughs> just reread the chapter if you want.
1: <laughs> own 1. Would you prefer me to sign Yolo or Hugo or Hill? Brown Ben crinkled up his eyes. Would you prefer to be returned to Yezin's heirs or just beheaded? The dwarf <laughs> laughed and signed the parchment. tearing a House Lannister. Own oh two, every stroke of the quill leaves me a little poorer, or would if I were not a beggar to begin with. One day he might rue these signatures, but not this day. Own oh three, let him go on thinking that he's bent me over and fucked me up the arse, and I'll, and I'll go on buying steel swords with parchment dragons. <laughs> <laughs> steel with parchment. Own oh four, you are too ugly to be Bococo's butt boy, said Casperio, but maybe you'll do his arrow fodder. Oh, George. On five, perhaps I could supervise your camp followers. We can't have the men stopped up now. We can't have the men stopped up now, can we? He tells them to stay inside and shit in his bucket. I was like, Ugh, too familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Way too close to home. <laughs> On six, Tyrion cocked his head. Red ink, a tradition of the company, Incotts explained. There was a time when each new man wrote his name in his own blood, but as it's happened, blood makes piss-poor ink. Tyrion, Lannisters love tradition. Limit your knife. Yeah. Good first impression. Seven. Have other lords served with the company? Landless lords, said Brown Ben. Like you, Emp Tyrion hopped down from the stool. My previous brother was entirely unsatisfactory. I hope for more from my new ones. Now how do I go about securing arms and armor? Will you want a pig to ride as well? said Casperio. Why well, I did not know your wife was in the company, said Tyrion. That's kind of you to offer her, but I would prefer a horse.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has to laugh about that. They can't right. help it.
1: He Plus he's in now. We can laugh at his jokes, it's okay. Eight, an axe, a dagger, a choice for Mark, though I'm deadliest with the crossbow. And then he says his father counts as nine. I like that. And nine. Um,
0: <laughs> this is a record. <laughs> it is. This
1: is a record. But I really like this chapter. Kim, get over here, you fucking piss pot. Ken came running. Take Lord and Lady Imp to the wagons. Have Hammer fix them up with some company steel. Hammer might be passed out drunk, Kim cautioned. Piss in his face. That'll wake him up.
0: <laughs> You'd thrive in this scenario.
1: Until the battle started, then Until- I'd be like, "Damn it! Now we have to kill people."
0: <laughs> but the the in beforehand, when everyone is just oh yeah, being crude, to right each for other, sure. Hammers—they're like-, like Hammers, <laughs>
1: mostly drunk. He's <laughs> yeah. mostly drunk, but he, you know, he's a, de- a decent smith. <laughs> it's an interesting dynamic they all have. I'd love to have a mini series or a limited series about those those fellas. Right. I, I like that they don't like the Golden Company. <laughs>
0: Oh, it makes total Those sense. Those fancy boys. It makes total sense. <laughs> they
1: have such a shining reputation. Why don't you just go over to the Golden Company?
0: I love rivalries.
1: So that was Tyrion twelve, the last Tyrion chapter of A Feast of Dragons. By Garsh. NBD. By Garsh. Gonna miss a Tyrion. Might just do your win this chapter soon. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see.
0: And now we'll go on to your owns. There's a couple that we liked. We pulled. The first comes from Clint Westwood RP on Instagram, who says... My own goes Tyrion for being smart enough to realize that he wasn't signing up to the Second Sons, but hiring his own sellsword company to help take him back to Casterly Rock.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's like the contingency plan. I'm just going, right. going back home anyway. Right. Covering his bases. Travis Cole, straight Savage Cole on Twitter. Go check our Twitter account if you want to see Travis's leg piece where he has a bunch of GOT tattoos. They're very fr- cool freaking awesome. His most recent one's got Tyrion with the uh the the shea necklace. Mm-hmm. Yikes. My own goes to Tyrion's cunning and his japes inside and outside of his head. I love the way he makes me laugh. I particularly enjoy the conversation he had with Kim from Flea Bottom, me too. Honorary own to Dwar Mormont starting to get back to his old self. Also, Tyrion mentioning that he was in charge of the drains in Castleville Rock, foreshadowing perhaps.
0: At least according to what happens in the show, LOL. <laughs> probably I read all of... probably
1: going to be a thing.
0: I think so. I think that's kind of what least... you were getting at when you were talking about resetting and kind of remem- we were remembering all the stuff that Tyrion's good at effectiveness, yeah, being
1: able to figure stuff out that other people maybe are too impatient to care about the details of, right? Yeah.
0: Next, we got an email from Mike from England who says – I think I'll read most of it. He says, Tyrion, Tyrion, Tyrion. What more can be said about him? This was vintage him. Making constant jokes that could get his head chopped off, he loves to push a boundary. Also, the scheming. I particularly like the way he said he was paying them with parchment – with parchment dragons, full well knowing he won't ever pay them. This chapter wasn't the most eventful, nor overly long, and that's okay. Not everything needs to be some endgame plot point, but there's enough substance here to remind us that Tyrion is most definitely going to make it to the end. He's a survivor through and through, and I'm sure he will have a huge role to play in wins and beyond. My own goes to one of Tyrion's japes that makes that he made, which you mentioned as well as one of yours. Will you want a pig to ride as well? Asked Kasparo why... I did not know your wife was in the company, said Tyrion. That's kind of you to offer her, but I'd prefer a horse. When a lion can make you physically laugh, you know it's good. Mike from England. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike.
1: All right. Yeah. I, I yeah.
0: <laughs> I feel the same way.
1: Like I said, feeling nostalgic a little bit. I know. Saying it's hard not to. to the the Tyrion, last Tyrion show.
0: It's hard not to. If you want to send in your own, if you feel nostalgic about this last Tyrion chapter, if you want to. Send us your cool tattoos, whatever it might yeah, be. Yeah, for sure. You can find us uh, in a couple different places. You can find us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, at Game of Owns, or you can send us an email to contact at gameofowns.com.
1: We only have seven or so chapters left of A Feast with Dragons, so uh, immortalize your opinion about one of the chapters, or all of them, on this podcast at least, by sending in your own to us. And... uh can view our show on iTunes, that'd be helpful. Thank you. Helps so other people find the
0: podcast. If you want to follow along with us on the last couple episodes or the last couple chapters, you can find our reading order at afeastwithdragons.com. And the next chapter we've got coming up is The Kingbreaker. The Kingbreaker, chapter 113 in A Feast of Dragons, The Kingbreaker. So catch oh, up, read ahead. Feast of Dragons.com.
1: we make a uh, bonus podcast on patreon where you can donate to support the podcast if you so would like to that is at patreon.com slash q we have a squad of ice and fire where we just hang out and talk about everything and uh, we have my solo podcast where i just hang out and talk very specifically about a song of ice and fire
0: and we have my solo podcast where I hang out by myself and talk about the Bachelor franchise. <laughs> you
1: should do that. <laughs> no. You should do that.
0: <laughs> I don't have a solo podcast. That would on be great. Patreon. That's a
1: really good idea.
0: That's like a very niche listenership of people who listen to our podcast and like A Song of Ice and Fire enough to support us on Patreon to listen to me talk about the Bachelor That's franchise. True. Yeah. <laughs> but you can find us on Patreon. What is it? patreon.com slash goo.
1: G O O, yeah and we're playing with the idea of getting only fans you know we don't know what to put on there but we feel like we should get only fans so who is only and why are we fans of them let us know
0: in also the, in the comments below zach got some yeezy crocs yeah that's how we should end the episode so people can just think about themselves just go look them up what are they actually called uh foam runners yeezy foam runners yeah, just boy. imagine that that is the current vibe
1: summer is coming the warm weather is coming back and we are uh, first off i'm prepared for it a little bit but i know that we're excited about uh the vibes escalating and uh hopefully getting to hang out with more of you again as uh everything gets a little bit better and brighter and warmer
0: fingers and stuff.
1: Crossed. fingers crossed so uh
0: thanks for listening yeah. thanks for hanging this was fun we'll be back
1: catch you on the next podcast